All right, Johnny, what do the final numbers from the Halos this last season tell us about the Halos? We're going to talk about that. And what are the contract numbers for players not named Otani and Trout? You'll be surprised at what some of the players are making and just how valuable are the Angels in the organization. We're going to talk all about this. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can give us a rate and a review on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps other Angel fans to find the number one podcast of all time. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe and click the bell to be notified every time a new episode drops. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Happy Friday to you, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every day. You've got the Frisch Brothers here with you, aka the Super Halo Bros. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. Mike, you and I have been fans of this team for a very long time and we've seen the good and the bad and everything in between. And you know, while this season was surely a disappointment, there's some surprising numbers that came out of 2022 that you probably wouldn't have expected considering the results that we got and our win-loss record was abysmal. But you and I wanted to dive into the numbers and just see where the Angels ended up at the end of the 2022 season, why don't you hit us with some of those stats? These numbers will definitely prove where the Angels went wrong this season, and it Mm. was not the starting staff, John. What? This was just the third (laughs) season. Hear me, hear me. The third season Uh in the 2000s, so that's Uh 22 years, John. Correct. That the starting staff had an ERA below 3.70. Wow. So, Angel fans, Locked on Angel listeners, Locked on Angel watchers, when you say, we need pitching, you need to just be reminded that this season, we had pitching. (laughs) We had really great starting pitching. It was the fourth time in Angel history that starting pitching has accumulated a 15-plus war, but also accumulated under 60 wins as a staff. Interesting. And Patrick Sandoval says yes and amen, because that guy (laughs) pitched a heck of a season and only won, what, five games? I think it was five or six games, right? And had eight or nine losses. And so here's some of the numbers from the last, gosh, 50-plus years. So in 1975... The Angels starting staff had a 15 war and only 59 wins as a starting Hmm. staff. 77 had a 15.3, 58 wins. 84, 15.4 war and 58 wins. And then last season, the one we just went through, 15.1 war and only 52 wins as a starting staff. So they had a 0.1 better war than 75, but still only had seven <laughs> less wins yeah. than that season. Yeah. Good grief. What in the world? Yeah. I think the numbers will help us to understand why. So when you say what in the world, let me let me share this with you and then I'd love your thoughts. Okay. Here is where the Angels ended in war rankings for offense for the starters, for the bullpen, and for defense, all right? So, first, I'm going to start with the starters because that was actually the best. They were seventh 
in Major League Baseball in war as a starting rotation, John. Wow. 15.1. Who would have thought that last season we would yes. be having this conversation at the end of this season? <laughs> that the offense completely fell off and yeah. that the pitching was so much better. Yeah. So here's here's where the offense landed. 22nd in Major League Baseball with okay. a 12.3 war. That makes sense. Now here's here's where the problem starts to really show. The bullpen. Yeah. They were tied for 23rd Oof. with a 1.8 war. Really? And then here's where it really shines a light on where the Angels struggled. Johnny, they were tied for 20th in Major League Baseball defensively with a, get this, negative 8.2 defensive war. Negative? Yes. <laughs> what in the world yes. happened to our defense? <laughs> exactly. So I think if you look at those numbers, John, it, it it's obvious where the problem is and where the yeah. problem isn't. The, the problem is not the starters, which is so exciting. Right. Detmers, Suarez, Finally. Sandoval, Otani, yeah. Lorenzen, Jonathan. I mean, like Jonathan Diaz. All of those guys were, were great, <laughs> right? Even Chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were there. Chase Silseth, even Cinder when Garth. he came up, he was consistent, right? Like, so we even, even uh, Tucker, Tucker Davidson. I mean, oh, he struggled, but even Tucker came up and, and, and did an okay job. So it was not the starters. Wow. The problem ironically, was offense. And we didn't think we'd struggle offensively. And then yeah. bullpen, we thought we solved that problem, and we didn't. And then yeah. really, defensively, fell apart without Rendon, Fletch, and Walsh in the lineup regularly. That's a really good point, because if the defense is a negative 8.2 defensive war, that really goes to show that you need Rendon at third, you need yeah. Fletch at short or second, yeah. and you need Walsh at first. And then I also think about Brandon Marsh and Joe Adele kind of struggling in left field for most of the year. And and I have to think about the the times where the ball was hit into the corner and it plinkoed off of the right. corner in left field at Angel Stadium. Suddenly it became Price is Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what it looked like when they were out there. But it makes a lot of sense, Mike. And also, I think about, you know, we we didn't have a month and a half of Trout. I know his defense isn't as good as it used to be, but still, having him in center field as a reliable center fielder is huge. And yes. so, even with Andrew Velasquez at shortstop, we put up right. with his bat so that we could have his glove in the infield, still a negative 8.2. And I also have to comment, Luis Renjifo did struggle at second yes, base and at did. shortstop. Yep. And I really think he's a much better second baseman than shortstop. I know he played some short, but if we're going to go that route this season, I think Fletch has to be the shortstop. And I think oh, yeah. Renhifo has to be the second baseman. Now, I've said it many times on the show, I would much prefer having somebody get signed to play the middle infield. And then you have Fletch and Soto and Renhifo all kind of working together with whoever this big signing might be. But man, that really surprises me. That catches my attention. It yeah. catches me off guard. Negative 8.2 defense. It makes sense why they allowed Squid 
to stay in the lineup even mm-hmm. if he was struggling because mm-hmm. obviously these numbers are probably in front of them as well. And if Perry and and Taman are talking to Phil Nevin before games, because uh, Joe Madden let us know about that, uh, then I'm sure that they probably <laughs> had these conversations about where they are defensively and why Squid was in there even if he was really struggling. And it would make sense why Squid would start batting right-handed. Like, hey, let's figure out how we can get some offense from him because yeah. without him in the lineup – I wonder what the defensive war would have been would have been if even Squid worse. hadn't have been in there. It would have been a yeah. whole lot worse. And so that that really opened my eyes. And so looking just at this, I think the Halos, there's there's a couple things they need to do. They obviously need to upgrade their offense. Now, mm-hmm. a full season with Trout, full season with Fletch, mm-hmm. full season with Rendon, mm-hmm. full season with Walsh. I think immediately upgrades the offense. That doesn't yeah, mean that, that they shouldn't it, make a trade. It's also go not going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like those guys are not going to be there the whole season. Right. And so I think that they either need to bring in a piece that's going to play a, a significant role in their offensive production, like a Trey Turner. I really like Trey Turner. But here's the thing: Trey Turner actually struggled defensively last he season. He, he played was a lot not more a great short. defensive player. I think he's a he's a natural second baseman as opposed yes. to a shortstop. Yeah. yeah. So it might be worth getting like a Dansby Swanson instead of a Trey Turner because I think that the Angels need to look at two factors here, not just a bat, but also a glove. And when they can get both of those things, I think that they correct two of their problems. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to the bullpen, Johnny, I don't know what the heck they need to do because I thought what they did was actually pretty great at the beginning of the year, and it was... <laughs> well, I mean... You have Aaron Loop with his sub one ERA with the Mets, and it's yeah. like, what better signing is there than that? Call him Aaron Poop again. Just do it. Just one. Aaron time. Poop is that what you want me to say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also, I I also have to think about how this bullpen was used most at the beginning of the season before Joe Madden was fired. Yeah. Uh, we had a great Braves fan comment on one of our videos. It was about Rysel Iglesias and how he did better in Atlanta, and he said, "I can't remember one situation." where Rysel inherited runners. He had a clean mm. inning every time he came in, so that probably helped make him that much better in Atlanta. And that really got me thinking about the bullpen usage and how often our guys had to come in and clean up somebody else's mess, never had a clean inning to come into. Yeah, it's just really frustrating. So perhaps, perhaps with Phil Nevin managing the bullpen from day one, it will look a lot different. But you're right, Mike. I mean, how do you correct a problem like this? You really have to assess. We need better defense. And we need that extra glove. And uh, <laughs> I just made myself laugh from Dumb and Dumber. Extra gloves. Uh, you <laughs> need that time? extra gloves the whole time. <laughs> you got to have that extra glove in there who can field and play a strong short. And then even in, in the outfield as well, we got to find a solid left fielder to really help out our defense there as well. best part about doing Locked on Angels with your brother is that there's all of these inside jokes and then we have to pause know, and actually let I the know. listeners in on the inside jokes. It's at so the good. expense at the expense of our <laughs> listeners and viewers. I'm sorry everybody. It's great. Well Locked on Angels is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Listen, Bet Online has been with us since day one and they are great friends of the pod and they're your number one source for all of your betting needs this season, especially as you watch the NFL and the season right now is going strong and it's been a lot of fun to watch. You can find all the latest player developments and team matchups, news, podcasts. They have in-depth articles, analysis on every game that you can find. 
John and I are 49er fans, and they have analysis on Jimmy Garoppolo, and a lot of people like him. I don't know if we're sold on him yet, but that's uh, 49ers, not Angels. So let me continue. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting up to the minute scores for every sport out there. If you're not sure like how to place bets or what to place bets on, Bet Online actually is really, really helpful and they'll allow you to spend your money wisely. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the baseball playoffs, MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to their website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. We want to thank you for making Lockdown Angels your first listen of the day. There's been a lot of conversation around what kind of contract Shohei Otani might get, but we really have to focus on some of these arbitration-eligible players yeah. who are part of our young core, and we should take that into account in terms of how much the Angels will be willing to spend and what they're going to spend because it actually adds mm, about maybe 20 million to yep. the payroll. Yep. And so if they stick around that 180 million that they've held so firmly to, you've got 110 wrapped up in Trout and Rendon and Otani. You've got about 20 million for the rest of the team. So really they have about 50 million to play with in free agency if they stick to that 180 million. But Mike, the arbitration numbers were released and here's where a few of the halos were projected to land. First of all, you had Griffin Canning, and we haven't seen him in a while because Who? he's been dealing with the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. Yeah. 1.1 million is the expected arbitration salary that he would get. Luis Renjifo, 2.4 million. Okay. Jaime Berea coming in at 1.2 million. Chad Wallach, of course, came up and caught the no hitter for Reed Detmers, came up from AAA, 800K. Jared Walsh would receive potentially 2.7 million, Taylor Ward 2.9 million, and Patrick Sandoval 2.8 million. So those are the arbitration eligible players. Those are the projected numbers in terms of money that they might receive. Is there anything there that surprises you? Maybe somebody who's undervalued or overvalued? What do you think about those numbers and those players? You know, I know we're talking millions of dollars here, but these guys, especially Taylor Ward, who had a really great year, He's really not going to hurt the budget. He's really not going to break the no. bank. And yeah. and I Worth like that because I think that this is going to be another breakout year for him. He's kind of mm-hmm. in that peak year for all baseball players. He'll be 29 and he's heading into that age 29 season and he's got he's a couple stay of Stay away from the wall. Right. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> age 30, age 31, age 32 seems to be kind of the peak years for players. So Ward's right in the middle of that and only going to cost us around $3 million is is great. And then Patrick mm-hmm. Sandoval, I think he's going to have a uh, Logan Webb type of season this Ooh, season. I, like I think he's going to have uh, a, a strong year. We're going to be... We're going to be confident in him. Maybe a Logan Gilbert as well, who really <laughs> bounced back from the Mariners. And so I think he's going to have a good year. So, I mean, only only around $3 million there as well. And then Walshie, $3 million. It, it, it seems pretty reasonable. I think Renhifo's bump is, is well-deserved. Uh, Chad Wallach stands out to me, John, because if mm. we if we needed a backup catcher, he's the guy that I would want on the team immediately. In fact, okay. I would want him on the team this last season. I 
I think that we probably need to do a conversation about Max Stassi at some point this offseason because is he really going to bounce back or is he just going to be somebody mm. that kind of gathers a paycheck and, and ends mm-hmm. up becoming kind of a Jeff Mathis on our team? But here's the <laughs> thing about favorite. Jeff Mathis. I hate Jeff <laughs> I don't hate him. I, 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 I struggled with him. Uh, but when he was on our team, the, the thing that Jeff brought was a great glove. And yes. Stassi didn't have that last year, nor did he have a good bat. And so I think you got to bring something. What I liked about Chad Wallach when he came up is he at least handled the bat pretty well, and he had a strong glove behind the plate. It wasn't spectacular, but he was a great backup, and I think he was really great for Reed Detmers in that no-hitter. So that one actually stands out to me a bit, and the Jaime Berea number isn't shocking, but I'm curious as to what Jaime will be for us this next season because his Mm -hmm. role that he played was great but it really wasn't a high leverage role it was more like hey who do we got out there we need somebody to clean this up okay let's bring Jaime in to clean it up and I don't know maybe he might be on the tipping point of being a starter for us and Mm -hmm. really filling in in those moments where maybe a a starter's out or injured and Jaime can come in but nothing really stands out as shocking to me Anything stand out like as undervalued or overvalued to you? Griffin Canning at 1.1 million. I he hasn't been there enough to really earn that. Yeah. I realize that, you know, I don't want to take any dollars out of anybody's pockets or say that they don't deserve something, but I think that he is going to need to really prove himself this year if he's healthy and if he's back. Yeah. And and he's got that back injury that kept him out all season. But yeah, 1.1 million, I imagine he'll come in under that just because he missed all of the season. I think the Angels have a case to say, eh, I don't know if it's 1.1. I think it's more like 900K. And I realize, you know, it's, that's a lot of money to us and not a lot of money to them. But I, I, I think that Canning will likely come in under that 1.1 million just because of the lack of playing time and the lack of healthy days that he has had. Yeah. So I really think he has a lot to prove there. But as far as the rest of these go, Renhifo 2.4. I'm okay with that. Walsh 2.7. Ward 2.9. Patrick Sandoval 2.8. That's very affordable for some of your best players. And it's like, man, do we have, we have a young core emerging. I know we just talked about the Braves the other day and how they locked up a lot of those guys. I think We'll be lucky when new ownership comes in and they'll recognize what they have and the talent that they have on hand and lock up a lot of these guys for the future. I would love to see that as one of their first moves to say, hey, these are guys we want to keep around for a good long time. They're affordable. They're worth it. Let's invest in them and then get the big pieces around them to help us get back to the playoffs and have another winning season. John, the Angels obviously are for sale. We haven't heard really any updates as to where that is, but that's not unusual in Anaheim because we never get updates until uh, (laughs) like after the news is already broke or after they've already made a decision. So uh, (laughs) the the rumor is that there is uh, conversations happening and that we'll have more information maybe during the ownership meetings in December and after that. So John and I are going to pay attention to that. We'll bring you information as we hear it. And guys like Sam Blum and, and some of those guys on Twitter are great. Jeff Fletcher. So follow those guys. They'll give you some information. But the reason why I'm talking about this is a report came out recently of the top 10 professional sports teams in the greater Los Angeles area. Okay. And here's what's really interesting about it. 
we're not going to be surprised by some of the values of some of the teams, but there's always a conversation about like, well, Dodgers, for example, they're number three on this list, five mm-hmm. billion in reported value, Ooh. their organization. Yeah. And they have their own sports network. They do a great job of advertising. They have owners that have a lot of money and Magic Johnson's a part of that. So I think Magic mm-hmm. actually brings a lot of resource in just because of his name brand. Mm-hmm. The Rams are actually number one, 6.2 billion. Here's wow. here's what I'm seeing here as I'm looking at these numbers. Yeah. These aren't indicative of of a successful team on the field. These numbers are actually indicative of great ownership, great leadership, and really, I think, being in California because Southern California is an expensive place to live, as you and I can (laughs) high-five because that's (laughs) it's it's hard to live here at some points because of resources. Here's what's really interesting, John. The Angels are number six on this list. Wow. And they are valued at 2.2 billion and they haven't made the playoffs since 2014 they haven't been over 500 since 2015 i believe and so they haven't had a great team they've had great players we all know this i'm saying everything that we know but what i find interesting is that their valuation isn't necessarily just about the product on the field the angels the angels are a money-making machine and so yeah any owner that comes in is going to make money. Artie's going to make money when he sells, and whoever comes in is going to make money. And so I think these numbers are actually pretty great because it shows that even if you're struggling in Southern California, your team actually doesn't lose its value because of other opportunities, their relationships with sports networks, their relationships with advertisers, their relationships Mm -hmm. with players. Mm -hmm. Johnny, when I see that number, that tells me a couple of things. First, it's great to see that they're that expensive, that they're making money. But two, it, it only tells me that they have not capitalized and utilized two of the greatest players of all time, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. Absolutely. Yeah. To see them sit right here in the middle Again, let me just read these off. The Rams, $6.2 billion, Lakers, $6 billion, Dodgers, $5 billion, Chargers, $4 billion, Clippers, $3.2 billion. Number six, the Angels, $2.2 billion. You got the LA Kings behind them at $1.5 billion. The LA Football Club at $900 million. The LA Galaxy at $865 million. And the Ducks at $690 million. And the Angels are smack dab in the middle of that. Yeah. And again... I look at all of these teams. I don't know. I don't know soccer very well, but I believe that they've been more successful in terms of what they're achieving yeah. in, the, in the world of soccer yeah. versus what the Angels have achieved in the world of baseball. You got the Ducks, who are you know they're working their way back, trying to get good again. They're number ten. So I think your point point stands. the The fact that the Angels are sitting there right there with the Clippers and the Kings and the Chargers and their play on the field has been awful the last eight years. And they're still worth $2.2 billion. Yeah. They'll probably sell for $3 billion because yeah. you got to make a profit, right? right? And right. so I think at the end of the day, any owner who can come in and infuse this team with some good talent, some enthusiasm, some, some more payroll, I mean, very soon they could climb the ladder and be just as expensive as the Dodgers, as the Lakers, right. as the Rams. It's insane the potential and the money being left on the table because the Angels aren't successful yet. Right. The fact that they're this much money and they haven't been successful is mind-boggling to me. But Mike, 
Think about how much more money there is to be made for an owner if they were successful, because then you have fan investment, fan interest, fans show up to the games. We talked about the low attendance in the second half of the season. Fans want to like the Angels. People want to enjoy the Angels. You and I want to enjoy the Angels. Everybody listening, everybody watching. The problem is, this second half of the season, they were not fun to watch. They were unenjoyable. Yep. And kept me from spending money. I know I'm just one person, but I'll buy two tickets to a game so my wife Abby and I can go. And I think a lot of people chose to do the same thing. Like, "Ah, I don't really want to go. Correct. So this is a wide open ocean of potential for the next owner to come in and boost the value of this team yeah. because they're here at $2.2 billion and they stink. They stink <laughs> right now. And that's the thing. Yeah. If if somebody would just come in and do the right thing and sign the right players and put a winning product on the field, Artie honestly is at fault here because, yeah. yes, he got it from 183 187 whatever it was when he bought it, to 2.2, and he'll have enough money to do a Scrooge McDuck swimming pool for the rest <laughs> of his life. But I look at this number and I'm like, Compared to the Rams, Lakers, Dodgers, chart, you could easily be up there. John, they don't they don't own the stadium. They don't own yeah. the parking lot. They don't have yeah. what the Lakers have. They don't have what the Chargers have. They don't even have what the Dodgers have. And right. they're $2.2 billion, which just billion. reminds us of how ridiculous the luxury tax number of 184 <laughs> in Artie's mind that he wouldn't go past that. How stupid that is because he is, he is according to these numbers, will be, should be making money hand over fist. And if he's not, then he should fire his entire front office and get people that actually know how to advertise and promote guys like Mike Trout, who's the nicest guy in the world, and Shohei Otani, who's even nicer than the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. And they're they're recognizable and they're likable. Come on. You need to think bigger and better and futuristic when it comes to this team and when it comes to these players. Absolutely. And I I, I man, it just it's crazy to me that this evaluation and where they sit, like you said, they don't they don't own the stadium. They don't have their own TV network. I mean, they have their radio station, but that's that's their radio station. Yeah, it's 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 wild to me that there's so much money being left on the table here. I think whoever comes in and buys this team will certainly make much more money than Artie has been able to, even though he already has. And by the way, the luxury tax is two thirty now. Yeah, so it's right. even more ridiculous that he hasn't gone near that, considering that they wouldn't even get penalized for another hundred million with right. this roster and with this. What's payroll. another hundred million? <laughs> <laughs> What's a hundred million between friends? Huh? Come on. Yeah. So at the end of the day, we can't wait for new ownership to come in, turn this team into a winner, and again. There is so much money left on the table. It will be the most valuable investment that the new owner will ever make investing in the Los Angeles Angels. Well, thanks for making Lockdown Angels your first listen today. We're going to start a a drive, maybe a GoFundMe. Let's all just buy the Angels. How about that? Uh, Please. (laughs) That would be awesome. Hey, now make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB podcast with our friend Paul Francis Sullivan. You can call him Soli because that's what we call him, and he's talking all about the Major League Playoffs right now. You can follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 
Hey, be sure to give us a follow at Lockdown Angels and at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram. We would love to hear from you because, Michael, Monday is going to be... Mailbag Monday. So send us all of your questions. Send us all of your thoughts. You can even call us on our voicemail line, 714-409-6396. We'd love to hear your thoughts and your questions about anything that you would like us to cover here on Locked On Angels. The voicemail line will be in the episode description, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And again, you can message us at Locked On Angels, at Super Halo Bros, wherever you prefer. Until Monday's show, have a great weekend, and we will see you then. My name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. You all take care, have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.